For some, it's back to school time. In InfoSec, however, learning happens 365 days a year. I mean, there's always something new to learn. But what about the basics? That's often a matter of backfill. As you come upon something, you learn it in the moment. At least, that's been my experience. But what if you want or need a more formal introduction to the basics of, say, digital forensics? There's been a lot of emphasis lately on gamification. You walk so many steps and Fitbit awards you with a badge or compares your workout with someone else. So there's some motivation, competition to keep you pushing forward. And then there's just research. That too is part of learning. For example, when learning a new subject area. And if you're going for a certification like CISSP, Computer Information Systems Security Professional, you'll need to have a breadth of experience across multiple domains. So, while you may be particularly skilled in security, architecture, and engineering, how are you with identity access and management? Considering all of these, gamification, research, and breadth of knowledge, it seems that preparing for, or even playing, a game of Capture the Flag might be a great way to expose any educational gaps, if not generally improve and deepen the security skills you might already possess. In a moment, we'll hear from someone at one of the best-known starter CTFs and learn how even someone mid-career in security can play on their own and even fill in gaps on their own learning all year round. Welcome to The Hacker Mind, an original podcast from For All Secure. It's about challenging our expectations about the people who hack for a living. I'm Robert Famosi, and in this episode, I'm talking about Pico CTF, one of the best-known CTFs for people entering the field and even for those among us looking to grow their personal knowledge. It's an online resource built by hackers for hackers. So, in this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about Capture the Flag. Not the children's game, of course, but the information security game. We're going to talk about the Jeopardy-style CTFs, which, like the TV game show, has six categories of questions with varying degrees of difficulty. Over the last year, I kept running across references to one Jeopardy-style CTF in particular. So I called up someone from Pico CTF to learn more. Um, my name is Megan Carnes, and I am the project manager for Pico CTF. Uh, it's developed at CMU out of the Scilab Security and Privacy Institute, and I've been with CMU for 10 years. And I worked um, in Scilab for all of those 10 years, doing different things. Carnegie Mellon is one of the best known U.S. universities for computer science and electrical engineering. CMU has produced some amazing InfoSec research over the years. So what is Scilab? Scilab is a research department at the university, and it encompasses all departments at the university that are interested in security or privacy research. Um, and so it was uh, developed in 2003, I think it was launched. Uh, the dean of the College of Engineering at the time had launched this place where uh, cybersecurity research could be done. And so we don't have like um, faculty that are a home department Scilab or students that are home department Scilab. You belong to other departments. You do your research on security and privacy in Scilab. 
one thing you'll pick up quickly about Megan is that she embodies a real enthusiasm for her job. I love Pico so much. I just always want to talk about it. Part of that excitement comes from engaging with people to nurture or encourage their curiosity in InfoSec. That's what we want to do. That's it. This isn't just the way. This is the thing that we're trying to do in you. Uh, I've never been good at math. I'm not really that into computers. I'm not a gamer. Okay, we'll take you. Um, because you likely have an aptitude for this. Cybersecurity is like the wild, wild west, I always say. Um, you know, it's just so vast. There's so many opportunities there. We just want people to realize that it doesn't matter what your background is. I'm the walking case for this, right? It does not matter what your background is. And this nurturing of curiosity starts to get to the underlying hacker mindset. This idea that you don't have to be in computer science to be good at InfoSec. It's more than just math and science. And so people with really creative backgrounds tend to do well because they think differently and they attack the problem differently. And that's useful when you're hacking. That's what hackers need to be, right? They need to be creative. And if you're defending an offender, then you need to be a little, even a little more creative, right? Because they don't have anything but time to attack you. You typically don't have a lot of time to defend yourself. That's why Megan is a champion of online self-learning programs such as Pico CTF. You shouldn't think this isn't for me because I like a different subject. You should just try it anyway. I mean, we're just trying to, we are trying to spark curiosity. We just want you to have the opportunity to gain a little experience in this area. And even if it's a 13-year-old says, I don't like this, that same 13-year-old at 18 may think, oh my gosh, why didn't I like this? I love this. You never know. And a 40-year-old, I mean, if anyone even just interested in learning or changing careers. And another thing, although Pico CTF markets itself to the high school crowd, it's really open to everyone. We talk about being marketed, I guess, at high school students. But if the content wasn't so desperately needed, then our only demographic would be high school students, right? Our demographic is everybody, anywhere, because the content, this type of content just doesn't exist. Even if you go through AP Computer Science, which is an amazing course, they don't really tackle cybersecurity. So getting cybersecurity education materials often comes with a price tag. And right now you can really set that price anywhere you want. With Pico, it's free. It's designed by the security experts at Carnegie Mellon University. So it's kind of like a win-win for the world. So if you're an adult looking to change careers or just build on a skill set you already have, this is the perfect program because you can do it by yourself. And, and we don't know who you are, so we won't judge you. Megan insists anyone, she says literally anyone, can learn more about InfoSec. Your grandmother has a cell phone in her pocket. She's carrying a computer around with her all the time. It's likely attached to the internet many times a day, right? She needs to have some sort of cyber awareness. So, you know, put her on Pico CTF. She can learn some terminology. She'll be, she'll be a um, experienced hacker along with you. I mean, everyone needs this information. Quick disclaimer here before we get too far. Dr. David Brumley is a professor of electrical and computer engineering at Carnegie Mellon University. He is a co-founder and CEO of For All Secure, a sponsor of this podcast. He's also a past director of Scilab, but for our purposes here, he's the founder of Pico CTF and 
He's the founder of the Plaid Parliament of Poning, and as a consequence, they are perhaps the most famous alums of Pico CTF. How much more famous are you than PPP? Formed in 2009, PPP is comprised of undergraduates, graduate students, and alumni of CMU. PPP competes internationally in many of the top competitions against many of the top competitors. They began competing at DEFCON CTFs in 2010 and won first place in 2013, 2014, 2016, 2017, and 2019. Yeah, they're still the most winningest team in DEFCON history. I just want to make people understand that those students, (laughs) a lot of them, uh, came to the university, came to cybersecurity through PicoCTF. So now they're giving back. That's one of the parts of the story that's my favorite is when you, when I personally meet a high, meet a college student who's like, I played Pico in high school and now here I am. Can I write some challenges or can I do something with Pico? And, and that whole idea about giving back, it's kind of, it kind of goes unnoticed. Um, we should probably write a story about how generous our, our students have been. They recognize the, value in the program and they give back to it willingly and then they go off and they they either win first or second place at defcon and their skill set is incredible i look at them as the same as i would any other professional athlete Um, their skill set is undeniable yeah i could see how someone might rank individual members of ppp on par with professional athletes they may not win every game but watching them play is simply amazing So, given that PicoCTF was initially designed to be a pipeline for PPP talent, how did PicoCTF get started? 2013. Well, I guess technically 2012, um, when Dr. David Brumley and his students decided that um, the best way to make sure they had a pipeline for PPP and competitive hackers was to reach back into high schools and educate students on what cybersecurity is. Um, how much fun it can be, and then give them a free and accessible platform to test their skills. Uh, And so the first one launched in 2013, and I believe they had 6,000 students and teachers involved in that one. And it's just, it was a brilliant idea. Um, It was a need that I'm not sure everybody realized they needed. And um, it was a solution. It's, you know, it's part of a solution to a problem and it's just grown exponentially. We have over 105,000 users currently on the platform. What I'm wondering is what happened that very first year when about 6,000 people participated? How did the word get out? Or was there a pent up need for information like this? And Pico CTF just happened to satisfy that need. Yeah, I wish I knew the answer that that team would like me to give, but I really think it's just from from David Brumley and his students on PPP understanding that they had to find this content on their own to become competitive hackers, right? And so if they could give it out to their former selves, their past high school selves, like this is the thing that they wish they had. So they built that. And And I can't really find any history of any like targeted marketing strategy there. It was kind of like they built it and they came. Um, And we really don't spend a lot of money on marketing because we don't have it. People just keep coming. I don't know where they come from. They just, uh, word of mouth has been our best friend. We have an amazing community now on Discord. 
some of the best people in the world are on Discord. They help each other. They spread the word. Um, they give us immediate feedback. They just make us better. There are other starter CTFs. We heard from Zarada in episode two, who, before she played on PPP, started out by playing CTFs at Seesaw, a competition now in its 19th year. Cybersecurity Awareness Worldwide, or Seesaw, is organized by the New York University Center for Cybersecurity and bills itself as one of the most comprehensive student-run cybersecurity events in the world, featuring at least eight cyber competitions, workshops, and industry events. So how does Pico CTF compare with something like Seesaw? Yeah, so Pico CTF is kind of unique, and there's there's many other programs. That, I guess there's not that many, but there are other programs that offer cybersecurity education. But where Pico kind of fills where its niche is that um, we're really we're free and open and accessible on the web, right? So everything is web based. So you really don't need a lot of software. Um, you don't need to download things. You don't have to worry. You can use a lot of web based tools as well. And you can get started at Pico. So you can do it at your own pace. Competitions are a thing that we do, but it's available 365 days a year. So you can build at your own pace and it's virtual. It's all online. We don't do any in-house training. Um, so you don't have to join anything. Your parents don't have to drive you somewhere to, to play. And we have been successful at teaching young minds how to be competitive hackers right? And coming out with a real skill set at the end. And so um, I think that's what makes us unique and in, in it's kind of a niche thing. As we heard, PPP is a central part of the origin of Pico CTF. But let's be clear, PPP is a separate organization. For example, doing well in Pico CTF does not mean that you get to play or even try out for PPP, right? Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not promising anybody a spot on PPP. Um, yeah. So one of the things when, when Pico CTF really took off and started to um, grow, it, it needed staff to manage it, right? It's, it's not the responsibility of a student who's working towards whether it's an undergraduate or a graduate degree to take on the responsibility of managing and maintaining and growing Pico CTF. So when that, when I, when I came in, that was the goal, right? It's like staff Pico, make sure that it's sustainable, make sure that it continues to grow and meet the needs. Um, but we, we can't deny the importance of students, right? They're, they're really important to the growth of, and to the success of Pico CTF. They're the ones doing in the current work, right? They're the innovators. So um, students who may be on Pico, PPP do provide um, challenges and content to Pico, but it doesn't guarantee, you know, those two things are still separate. Yes. And, you know, so being successful in Pico may get some of the attention of the students on PPP, but it doesn't mean you're going to be on PPP. And also Pico is not the responsibility of PPP. So what is a Jeopardy-style CTF? Well, it's organized like the TV game show. You have categories across the board, and within each category are questions that are progressively worth more and more points. So for us, we typically have six categories, um, binary, exploitation, web exploitation, forensics, cryptography. We have something called general skills that is a little deceptive. We're, we're really, um, 
considering breaking that out into two um, because we look at general skills internally as more intro, but I, do, I don't think externally people really see it that way. Um, I think they, sometimes people come thinking it's going to be like cyber hygiene and, and we really don't do that. We do more of, um, you know, cybersecurity engineering. So, um, yeah. And we have a lot of research that we're doing on those other areas. So I anticipate our categories will expand in the near future here as um, the research and development on those come to a point where they can be launched publicly. Okay, we have six categories across the board. So how many levels does Pico CTF go down? So the nice thing about working on a project like Pico CTF is you can experiment pretty much all the time with the way you do things. So we don't really, we haven't been doing levels for a while. We kind of originally had like this intro level an intermediate level and a um, advanced level. And, and those challenges kind of unlocked as you went along. The last CTF that we released and the way that the gym is set up is you can really jump around and solve any challenges you think look interesting. And although we do assign points to each challenge, you can kind of judge how difficult a challenge is going to be based on the number of points that it has. Um, we go back and forth between doing like a real leveled UX and, and kind of this open free-for-all. So the game of Capture the Flag includes a flag. It's hidden somewhere in the puzzle, in the code, but how that flag manifests itself might depend on the challenge. So typically you are presented with an issue that you have to solve. And, um, you know, one of the things that make us unique is we do this kind of offensive and defensive um, hacking. And so you're presented with a challenge. Your answer comes in the form of a flag. A Pico CTF, we're, we're, we let you know ahead of time, your flag is going to say Pico and it's going to be in curly braces, but you're going to have to find your flag somewhere. And that might be, you know, downloading a file or, um, you know, coding your way through um, a website or so, you know, there's different ways, reverse engineering, using a reverse engineering tool, figure out which tool you need to use for that. There's a lot, we're, we're lucky that the world is developing a lot of web-based tools. Um, so it makes it more compatible for Pico CTF. Um, and then you, you find your flag or you think you found your flag, you enter it into um, the shell that we provide and you get a immediate response, right? Cause it's an auto grader at heart, the software. And so you immediately know whether you're right or wrong. That said, hackers will be hackers. Part of hacking is, is using critical and creative thinking to figure out what your, you know, to read what your problem is and trying to find that solution. And your solution comes in the form of a flag. I will tell you like kind of some insider information that especially during a competition, we get tens and tens of comments that say, I know I have the right flag and it won't accept it. I think this challenge is broken. And it's always so sad for me to reply, oh, you're so close, but you don't have the flag. And when you see somebody is one character off, you're like, oh, I can't help you, but it's so sad. <laughs> one of the things that makes Pico CTF different is that it's available 365 days in an average year. Previously, between 2013 and 2019, we released everything brand new, a brand new platform, brand new challenges, brand new education content. In a, at, at this time, we released the CTF, right? And so that was either, you know, it's it shifted between spring and fall semesters. What we did in 2020 is released a brand new platform 
And so that platform is now available, like you said, 365. The open source CTF platform is, by itself, kind of cool. What it represents is the content, the Jeopardy board, but also the back end that keeps track of the points earned by each contestant. If you think putting on a CTF is a relatively trivial task, in episode 13, I talked with John Hammond about his extensive experience both playing and creating CTFs. He said that having an open source platform already built and ready to use is half the challenge right there. The more um, innovative of our educators, they can use the open source. Um, that's another That's another thing that we inherited that David has been very um serious about is, is maintaining this open source piece so that people can use it. I do know that people have used it to run their own CTFs. Um, we also have an open source channel on Discord so that people can talk to us when they need help. Um, we don't do like work for hire and we can't always be there, but we do try to help people use it. However, you know, the content is really our bread and butter. Speaking of content, Megan said it's a year long process. Now that PPP has satisfied some of their basic things, such as what they wanted to learn when they were younger, where is Pico CTF getting its new content from? Yeah, new content is developed constantly. And we actually, um, we do get a lot of student developers, student writers, you know, a lot of the students that are on PPP do contribute challenges. Um, We do get some um, external help too. There are some people like, we have a very strong connection with the Air Force Academy, um, so some of their uh, graduates often write challenges for us, but we have a, a lead education developer here on the team now, Luke Jones. And so he, he's tasked with making sure we have education content that usually comes out in the form of challenges because they do take, your average challenge takes about a week to write, if you look at it like that. And so the harder the challenge is, the longer it's going to take to develop, write, test, develop hints for, because our our problems do have hints typically to help people uh, understand the challenge so they know where to go about looking to solve or looking for their flag. So we do develop content, you know, year round. Um, and we are just tapping fast. Sometimes we get lucky on like a faculty member who'll say like, hey, let me contribute something. Um, but yeah, we, we, we rely on students and students are amazing because they freely give of their time. And uh, it's always interesting to me to see how excited people are to, to write or contribute a challenge that they've been working on. Given this is an iterative process, they still maintain their annual competition. What we do is now we occasionally launch CTFs, sometimes a much smaller version, which is a Pico Mini, or the larger annual CTF. That one, though, is being released in the spring now. So we released one in March 21. And we will release it in March 22. Um, that's directly feedback. Feedback we got directly from teachers and students who have a lot going on in the fall and would like the fall semester to build up their understanding of concepts before they enter in a CTF. The main competition, the largest one that we launch in the spring, I mean, that's reliable, right? You know we're going to launch it in the spring. The mini competitions, they're a kind of pop-up style and there are much fewer challenges. And we can actually be more selective or even theme those minis. Um, And so they're really there for fun, right? Like that's just for fun. Themes are cool, especially in a Jeopardy style CTF. You might have all the questions related to say cryptocurrency. 
So we've only done um, three Pico minis, um, but we are going to drop an introductory Pico CTF mini in the winter. And so this will be strictly introductory challenges. Um, this is for anyone who has no experience with a CTF. You don't know what it is. You've looked at the challenges in the Pico gym and you thought, gosh, these are kind of hard. Like, I don't even know what to do here. This one is really for you, right? Um, oh, we have this big middle school following. We have a decent number of middle school kids and they do really well, right? I know they're our future bosses, just accept it. Uh, and so really what we were thinking, like, what can we give them? And what can we give anybody who, when we say you need no experience to come to Pico CTF and then you get there and when you find the challenges are difficult, you're kind of disappointed. So what can we do for you? And so theming it around introductory, I think, um, you know, we really believe is the way to go here, give people a taste of what a CTF is really like. Um, but, you know, give yourself a baseline, establish, you know, how difficult this intro is, and then we'll help you um, build from there. And we also have um, the ability to theme them in ways like we can focus on IoT challenges, right? Our challenges that are specific to, to the interest in the IOC, or IOT and ICS, different different areas. Um, we had somebody doing some research on how to connect blockchain in this space. Um, we have people working on AI. We do have a couple of like AI related challenges already, but just working on AI and security, um, that intersection. And, and that's where we, when I say we can theme them, that's what I mean. Like we can drop a mini that's just about AI. The process of Pico CTF is to use resources from the university. The development is all done in-house at, at CMU from the software all the way through the content. And we've just made an effort to keep it um, technologically accessible, right? Low technology, you need an internet, a computer, a Chromebook. It works beautifully on a Chromebook. We've also gamified it. That's something that's a bit unique. Um, there's typically a video game component with every competition um, and, and we'll be expanding on ways that we that we use the video game in the future and the game is developed here at CMU at the Entertainment Technology Center and it's it's a graduate students they do a semester-long project they build that game brand new every release every year and as such it is open source and therefore free to individuals online to use in their own learning process so we don't release the content we, we release the software we release the platform so you would have to develop your own content if you use the open source but the fact that people are doing that it, it makes us really happy One of the challenges with education is finding the right balance between what people already know and what they need to know. Consider, just because you're a passenger in a car doesn't mean you know how to drive. Sure, you observe that cars stop at red and go on green, or that there are signs posting various speed limits. So Pico CTF isn't just capture the flag, there are other areas of the site to help you learn at your own pace. Aside from it being available all the time, Pico CTF is different in that it includes a lot of great resources, even some smaller test CTFs that you can play all by yourself. You can spend your time in what we call the Pico Gym, which is the non-competitive space, um, practicing the challenges. We have a Pico Primer, which is our online textbook where you can read about concepts. And then you can enter any one of our competitions. The Pico Primer is a repository of all sorts of great knowledge. 
If I said person in the middle of attack, you'd probably understand. But with someone like Megan? Do you want to know the big secret behind Pico CTO? <laughs> I don't have a technical background at all. I have a degree in anthropology. So when I tell you I convinced David I could do this, it was not an easy sell. He was thinking, well, I've known you now for years, and I don't know why you think you can do this. Uh, so yeah, we they do a lot of testing on me, right? Like when they write this stuff, like, can Megan understand it? And if the answer is yes, then we're good for the general public, right? So some of this information is very valuable to people who um, have zero experience, right? They get, they get a description on what a Caesar cipher is. A Caesar cipher, if you don't already know, is a very basic cryptographic method first used by Julius Caesar when communicating with his troops in the field. Basically, each letter in the alphabet is replaced by another letter further down the alphabet. For example, a shift of five would make every instance of the letter A become the letter E. You can create your own Caesar cipher by putting all 26 letters of the alphabet in one line and then shift the second line by, say, five characters. As I said, it's pretty basic, and there are special cases too, such as ROT13, which shifts everything 13 spaces down the alphabet. This kind of knowledge that you can gain by playing CTFs or by visiting the Pico Primer. Right, they get to understand the terminology. That's a huge part of it. I can't tell you how many years I've spent Googling terms here at CMU because I don't know what anybody's talking about. So understanding terminology is huge. And then if you're somebody that has a little bit of a background, um, digging deeper into concepts is, is, is a big help. Uh, another secret is that the primer really it's a beta, but it's not even a beta. It's barely a beta version. Um, we had an amazing student come to CMU and was like, I already know about Pico. Here's what I want to do for you. I want to write this. And so our education lead and this student just got together regularly and started hammering out these chapters. And then I was the, I was the proofreader. So any typos are my fault. Um, and I learned so much just reading it. So I am telling you from experience, if you just want to read that, you will learn, because I did. So you play Pico CTF, or any CTF. What is the result? I mean, I run, and these runs are recorded online. So I have my personal best times in the marathons that I've done online. Is there anything like that available for CTFs? Turns out there is a site, ctftime.org. We do go to CTF time. Um, uh, we love CTF time. And um, there's a gentleman behind CTF time that we, we talked to directly. I think at one point we kind of like broke CTF time with Pico CTF. Um, but we are trying to be better and more accommodating. I, it, it, it's, a, it's a thing that um, the community really um, encourages us to be compatible with the rules of CTF time. Um, sometimes Pico CTF isn't compatible with anybody else's rules because we like to do things, um, you know, uh, differently sometimes. But yeah, yeah, you, they do go to, C to CTF time. Um, in the gym, though, like it's your personal progression, right? You can see how far you're getting um, through the challenges and uh, it's, it's meant to encourage people. There's also something else in terms of reward. High school students who play Pico CTF and do really well may end up with some scholarship money. So 
this just happened in 2021 where um, there was a new scholarship developed for U.S. high school students called the National Cybersecurity Foundation. They launched their first CTF in April. And you could get an invitation to that CTF three ways by going through CyberStart America, CyberPatriot, or Pico CTF. And so you needed a point for Pico CTF, you needed to reach a thousand points to get an invitation. But those points essentially through Pico CTF gave you this opportunity to win this money. Um, and we're hoping to expand that. We we're hoping that, that other, other groups build up the same opportunity for students that, that Pico CTF can then get involved in. Um, and I, I right now, I mean, I'm not sure you would put your points on your college application, <laughs> um, but you could write about what you do in a letter. I think we're getting to the point now where the visibility of Pico CTF is enough that um, scoring you know, where you place on the scoreboard or, or, or the, the number of points you have in the gym might be of value to certain people. We have an achievement system that we haven't made public yet, but soon you'll get badges and stuff that are related to those things that you can share. All of this begs a question. Since CMU sponsors Scilab, which supports Megan, does CMU look to PICO CTF scores for incoming students? Does performing well have any bearing on getting in? <laughs> I uh, no. <laughs> Man, do I try though. I will say though, I can see the shift internally at CMU because this last year from everyone from the university, the provost's office and all the deans, they were retweeting stuff about Pico CTF during the competition, right? So they're really promoting it now. And we've had people from CMU admissions from, from CS department, actually admissions come to our C, our Pico CTF award ceremony for our winners to talk about like how to apply to CMU, how to get into CMU, how competitive it is. So I do see the shift. Yeah. I'd love to get to the point where your Pico performance matters. Cause then I feel like, man, the ecosystem has grown enough. The education ecosystem that, that we're now important in the eyes of admissions. Um, but we're not there yet. Even so, even anecdotally, has Megan ever heard of other colleges or universities that have used PICO CTF scores? Well, I don't know that they use PICO scores, but they use PICO in the classroom. We know this, right? We get we get tweets. Um, they're on Discord. We get emails. The emails all come to the very small team that we are, uh, and we answer them all the time. So we know people are using it in their classrooms as supplemental material. Um, but as far as admissions. I don't know. I still think there's probably value in writing it in, in one of your essays. Um, I, I think I called it a letter, but what I meant was an essay um, you know, about what you can do. And you know you can perform these skills because here's what you've done in a program like Pico CTF. I think there's probably value in that. There's another interaction with schools, and that is educators, both at the high school and the collegiate levels, are using the resources at Pico CTF for their teaching. The beauty of Pico CTF at picocf.org, the, the website the, where the program lives, is that most educators, because it is web-based and it's really easy to get whitelisted, they can just point their students there as an access, right? As a resource to access. Um, and they can say, go and do so many challenges or go and do all of the binary or whatever they're, they're, they're teaching. They can incorporate picocctf.org in their lesson plans easily. It's free and it's, it's easily accessed. PICO CTF has become really well known through its reputation, 
and without any dedicated marketing budget. I think I would just like to ask a lot of people to spread the word, right? I mean, word of mouth has been our biggest champion. Um, and the more people are using it, the more it's valuable, not only you know to the university itself, but but to other foundations, to corporations. Um, and we would, our ultimate goal here is to have every high school student in the country eventually go through the PICO CTF program, right? And to come out of that with um, an understanding, a basic understanding, a baseline knowledge of what security engineering is. This can be a very lucrative field um, and it can be a life changer for a lot of people. And you don't necessarily always need a degree <laughs> to get a job in a field that is related to cybersecurity. Sometimes if you have the right skill set and can demonstrate that skill set, you're valuable to a company. Um, and I think the more people that are aware of Pico CDF and what we have to offer, um, we're just op trying to open up doors and, and provide opportunity. And ultimately, Pico CTF, the sad truth is that we are self-funded. Um, we're not a line item in the university's budget. So we are constantly um, proposing for funding, looking for sponsors. So, you know, if there's any benevolent benefactors listening to the podcast, maybe they'll think, I'm just dying to spend my money. I'm going to spend it on Pico CTF. You know, we'd be eternally grateful and all of the kids would be eternally grateful because, um, you know, Pico should survive. People, Pico should keep going long after I'm gone, long after David Brumley retires. I think it's really just an exceptional program and keeping it free and accessible is, you know, the keystone that's going to um, make a difference, see, help this program see its difference. And, and maintain uh, its impactfulness. Okay, if there were a marketing budget, what would Megan want to say? Yeah, so my suggestion to people is always like, go into the Pico gym, you know, log on, join Pico CTF, go into the Pico gym, choose those really low um, points, right? Choose the challenges with really low points. Go into general skills first. You need though, and I give you permission, 13 year old you, I give you permission to use the internet to find your solutions, right? I give you permission to look around. I give you permission to do research because that's a big point in Pico CTF that I think sometimes um, people don't realize when they come into it. We aren't going to give you a wealth of materials that's going to, there isn't a chapter that you can look at that's going to give you the answer to that challenge, right? It, you really do need to apply critical and creative thinking. And some of that involves you actually learning other skills along the way just to find the flag. Uh, but it does, it does accumulate, right? You, you do use these in later challenge, the, the skill set in later challenges in the program. So um, we it was one of the reasons why the game is useful when we gamify it, it's because it gives people a space to play a game, kind of take a break mentally, because these challenges. I always say you feel all the feels when you're playing the challenges in Pico CTF because you go through a range of emotions. You know, you do get frustrated, um, but you do feel the excitement. There's a fantastic feeling when you when you get the flag, when you solve the challenge. But you do have to work for it. It involves a lot of um, initiative on the individual's part. And um, that's not typically the way classes are taught 
in high school, in middle school, and even college, um, a lot of the information is presented to you. Um, so with PCOCTF, it really is about going out and seeking answers. But, you know, I, I give you permission to do that. You, you should feel free to do that. I'd really like to thank Megan Kearns for taking the time to talk about PCOCTF. If you're looking to get certified as, say, a certified ethical hacker or even a CISSP, check out the PCOCTF primer. And while you're there, sign up for the PCOCTF gym and practice your CTF skills. Who knows? Maybe you could learn something new. Hey, let's keep this conversation going. DM me at Robert Vimosi on Twitter or join our subreddit or Discord channels. You can find all the deets and invites at thehackermind.com. The Hacker Mind is brought to you every two weeks, commercial-free, by For All Secure. For The Hacker Mind, I remain the more king of the hill versus Jeopardy style Robert Vimosi. <laughs>